0: Greetings, TuneIn listeners. This is Keela Parkinson, your host at WVLP 103.1 FM in Valparaiso, Indiana, and streaming live around the world at WVLP.org. And you are listening to TuneIn, radio for your mind, body, and soul. I'm so happy to talk to you today and to talk to our special guest from California. Thank you, Zoom, for another (laughs) virtual interview. Today, we are going to be talking about more adventures in mindfulness Uh, you may have heard our show with john ashby of peewee sports and fitness talking about ways to be mindful as you are physically fit and today we're going to do the grown-up version we are speaking to eric severson and eric say hello to
1: the people Hello, I hope you're having a great day today.
0: <laughs> we are so excited to talk about this. And Eric has, um, he is a motivational speaker, appropriately, and a coach and a writer. And he uses words. And I like to call myself kind of hashtag word nerd. <laughs> I love words. and But I have to say, I am nowhere near as physically active as this man. So somebody who has married books and activity, I'm bowing down to you in, in respect. Eric, tell us just a little bit about you just got back from a camping trip and it's a mountain climbing do you want to mention something about that
1: uh sure keila so <laughs> I, I like that we both share that we are out in nature this yes. week so it's uh, it's always good to kind of recharge so living living in los angeles uh, i really i love the city i, I play the name game some, sometimes if i could live anywhere in the world where would it be and mm. you know I'm, I'm right where i want to be mm. however I wouldn't want to live in Los Angeles without ever leaving either. So, <laughs> Good. <laughs> so like both of us, we went out to nature. And um, one of the things I like in life is challenges, and that's in business and everything else. And I like mountain climbing because it is a challenge that I can capture in, say, a weekend or a few days. Um, it takes all the same things as business. It takes mm-hmm. preparation. It takes Planning, it takes reading the right books, it takes getting maps, it takes getting teamwork, the team to get together and the equipment. And then you go up and you try the mountain and, and you come down. So this one, this last weekend, was my first uh, above 13,000 feet with my two kids. They're, 14 and 15 and so here I am to show them what a strong mountain climber looks like and coming down at about 13,000 feet I'm puking my brains out
0: <laughs> you're kidding <laughs> no
1: and, and at one of them one of my uh, at one point one of my children says is there anything we can do mm. and I look over after having just puked and it's because of the altitude of yeah. fatigue accumulation and it can hit it usually doesn't hit me but it did mm. and so I look over and uh, in my squinted face and my teary eyes after just vomiting, say. <laughs> This is great. This is all part of what happens at the mountain climb sometimes. That's great. And, you know, it was good for them to see their dad get sick on yeah. a mountain. We, all, we, we we reached the summit of, it was Boundary Peak in the highest peak in Nevada and 13,140 feet. And it's a pretty good climb with fatigue, 12 miles total and with a lot of scrambling up some very steep rocks. But, but they saw that success doesn't always look pretty. Mm -hmm. Um, I, we made it to the top and I was still feeling good at the top and it was about probably 5% of the way down that I started feeling the altitude mm. and fatigue. Hmm. And yeah, uh, I got sick and we talked about it and I kept going and they saw me muscle through yeah. and make it down even though I wasn't feeling good. And I, again, it's a lot of like life. It doesn't have to be pretty um, to, to be successful.
0: That's so amazing. I love that you had that. And I love that that's your like starter story story for us all today because I know Vomiting. you have tons, right? Vomiting, that's great. It's, you know, it shows growth mindset. I mean, that, the the metaphor of climbing the mountain, right? I'm sure you use it in pretty much every speech you give and that it's such a good workable metaphor and you're literally doing it and showing this growth mindset, this resilience and using it as a teachable example in the moment. So
1: kudos. Absolutely, Keela. And also um last year so this is now 2019 um I was actually climbing a pretty serious mountain so this is Mount Elbrus in Russia mm. it's on the Russia Russia Georgia border in the south of Russia and it's the highest mountain in Europe at 18,500 feet so um I had some work in Moscow so I went there for my my work and I decided I'm not going to come all this way and go home without finding a mountain so I traveled down to the border of Georgia and Russia which is an interesting trip in itself and tried to summit um, Mount Elbrus, the highest point in Europe, hired a Russian guide, and I had somebody from the United States come out and meet me. His name name's Chris McIntyre, and great climber, great friend, and he's the owner of Eagle Rider, a company I used to work with. And you know what, Keela? We spent lots of time and energy and money flying halfway across the world to get to this mountain. We hike up, we hike down. It takes eight days on the mountain because or seven or eight because the altitude is so high, so we hike up, hike down. Now mm. it's summit day, and we are strong. Mm. We're fighting through negative 30-degree weather, 65-mile-an-hour um, winds, and we are 170 meters from the summit of this giant mountain, and lightning strikes.
0: Oh, my god! And our guide
1: said, we go down now. <gasps> wow. Actually. We- Actually, it struck once, okay. and our, our we paused, mm. and then it struck again about 90 seconds later, and our guide Ooh. said, no negotiation, we yeah. leave now, and we're literally wow. less than 200 meters from the top of this huge oh. mountain, so we had to wow. climb down, because the lightning, there's nothing for it to strike, except for us with our metal yeah. ice axe and crampons, <laughs> yeah. and so we go down this mountain, and the weather was bad, 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 mm. and worse for mm-hmm. the next two days, we were still in southern Russia, yeah. and, but we were with a group of five people, three of them left the mountain and me and Chris decided we're never going to forgive, forgive ourselves. Yeah. We admitted defeat. Mm-hmm. We knew we probably were not going to summit this mountain, but we were going to wait and just see what would happen. So we stayed up on the mountain for two more days wow. and 48 hours later, there was a magical break in the weather and we, our guide said, let's go. And we went up and we actually, we summited and again, strong winds, but it was clear. So, but during that time, I had to come to terms with failure. Mm-hmm. And the sad part, it wasn't just thinking about myself not making this mountain. I was thinking about the faces of people when they say, mm. did you make it? Yeah. And I say, no, <laughs> I didn't. Because, they, mm. you know, I've climbed a lot of mountains. They expect me to make it, and so do yeah. I. But I had to come to terms with, I'm going to go and tell every single person that's going to ask me, did I make it? No. Mm-hmm. And I totally came to peace with that. Good. Um, and I was happy that I was able to see how I respond to failure and I was comfortable going back. Didn't like it, Mm -hmm. but I was totally at peace going back and saying, I failed wasting the time, the money and hoping, hoping to be able to come back to Russia another day. But, um, thank God we ended up making it in the end. But the lesson of, yeah, we don't always make it. was also good for me to, to be, it humbled me too.
0: Oh yeah. That's great. So now I have to ask a question that may not have a straightforward answer. And it is, which is harder the physical aspect of climbing or the mental aspect and why
1: by far the mental mm-hmm. um i mean it's funny you see these cl- mountain climbers who do things like everest and some of them are you know almost chain smoking you know drinking <laughs> beer and yeah doing their thing. So not partying their them. way up the hill <laughs> yeah, not, not, not all of them and you know and they're not doing those things necessarily in the mountain but <laughs> but but and also just the physical body you can have you know somebody who's just absolutely ripped and can yeah. run a 5.5 minute mile, um, who, who doesn't make it hardly anywhere up the mountain. And then you can have some, some guy who you, looks like an average guy walking down the street who's someone the highest peaks in the world. So, or someone who has
0: it's, no it's, legs it's, and has to be carried partway. Right. And, and like overcomes all kinds of physical adversity, right? Yeah. But um, their mental you, flexibility is what allows them to say, I can do this too.
1: Absolutely. Kira. Yeah. So the, the physical is definitely necessary. But I think the mental is the more, more important. Mm. And uh, I'm going to actually use this to bring up uh, something that I'm involved with. It's a charity called the, the Heroes Project. Mm. And a really good friend of mine many years ago, about 10 years ago now, maybe 15 years ago, was in a massive motorcycle accident. And he almost lost his leg. Um, he has 27 plates, I think, in his body. His name's Tim Medvitz. Mm. And um, he ended up going into d- depression. And mm-hmm. then he read the book Into Thin Air. And he said to himself, "You know what? I want to climb Mount Everest." So he's now a year or two into deep depression. Mm. He moves. He sells everything he has and moves to moves to Nepal. Tried to climb the mountain and failed. Okay, stayed there. Wow. Kept going. Kept learning how to climb. Mm. He ended up summiting Everest, and then he came back and started the Heroes Project. So now what he does is he looks for people who were depressed after losing a limb in the military from mm. um, the wars around the world. And so that he teaches them to climb mountains and he doesn't get them up a mountain he teaches them how to climb the mountains and so the first i think what took about 10 years to, to to summit all of the highest seven summits of the highest continents including everest so charlie was the guy who he's got he's an F one leg um made it up the summit of everest and and he also judges how hard to do it so for example charlie is an amputee below the knee mm-hmm. with one leg but in Australia, there's a mountain that's not very high. So he took a guy who's, I think he was a double amputee above the knee and missing part of one arm as well. That was his Everest to wow. so spend yeah. multiple days getting up this mountain in Australia to, to reach the highest peak. So it's a wonderful thing to see the transformation that takes place when people are forced with a deep challenge.
0: Mm-hmm. That's amazing. That's so beautiful. And it's just so inspiring. And, um, so are there, have you been to all seven continents?
1: I've not Antarctica. Okay. That's the only one yeah. I have a been to. Yet. I wondered,
0: yeah. Is it on your bucket list?
1: Absolutely. Of course.
0: <laughs> I really, I'm just asking because for the listeners, right? Because I know it has to be. Um, I want to, uh, Let's tell, tell the people a little bit about some of the books that you have out there and these really, really fun to read, exciting stories.
1: Okay. The first book um, that I published is called Ordinary to Extraordinary. And that came about for me just Living life, just going for it. Um, I was I was actually really shy, shyer than most people thought when I was young. Um, People meeting me and they they assume that I was, you know, (laughs) the little confident dude doing his thing. Okay. But the fact is, I was secretly super shy and Hmm. very very anxious. And but I had these big goals, and I started realizing that I'm reaching goals that people said I couldn't do, and and that was a a wonderful thing. So I just kind of kept pushing the envelope. Um, one thing, for example, I wanted to ride my bicycle from Tacoma to Los Angeles. So I did when I was, I think 17 or 18 years old. And, and that was a a, a great great thing that I did that people said I Mm -hmm. couldn't. Another was my high school counselor. I also wasn't a good student until Mm -hmm. my junior year. My high school counselor, um, everybody had a half an hour to, to talk to the counselor and figure out what they want to do with their life. And my brother, he was a great student and my sister was a great student. So they were three and four years ahead of me. And he, my brother came home with brochures and pamphlets from all these universities yeah. from around the country, excited about what he was going to do. And he ended up going to Stanford undergrad and Harvard for his MBA. Wow. And and so I'm excited about my interview with the same woman. And she looked at my transcript with C minuses the first two years and A's the last two years. And she says, Eric, what do you want to do with your life? And I said, I want to go to UCLA. Okay. She pushed herself away from the table and said, "You will never get into a school like that." Oh wow! And walked out. Oh that my gosh! She walked out. <laughs> that was the animal. And I sat there trying Some not counseling. to cry for another yeah. half hour Oh my goodness! Wondering oh, if she goodness. was going to come back.
0: Yeah. Oh my goodness. That's and so. Okay. Wait. So for a yeah, second, I want to just check and drop it in your body. Right. What are you feeling when you remember that memory?
1: Oh, do you know what I? I feel it so clearly. Yeah. Because I remember the the question I was asking myself. Do I leave the room because I don't know if she's coming back? Yeah. And I answered no because I had tears in my eyes, yeah. and so I could, didn't want to leave the room even if I could. Yeah. And so I, I sat there for a half an hour, wondering the whole time. Even with thirty seconds left, I remember wondering, "Is she going to come back?" Yeah, wow. And she didn't. That's so. it's appalling, isn't it? Yeah, totally. <laughs> oh my
0: goodness. I'm so, sorry that so. you had that experience, right? And then you know that we we want to talk about this, right? How like. The body, the brain, they don't know the difference between something that's happening in the present, something that is a past memory and something that's a future projection, right? And so like your fight or flight gets kicked up then and um, and it's something that you are so smart about knowing how to work with and process and, and get to that resilience, right? Because of experiences like that in the past and other ways you found um, bridges to teach yourself this trick in every solution, which is great.
1: Absolutely. Kila. And I'm glad you slowed me down to, to, to make that point because yeah. I get excited. and I just keep going. I love it though. Right. It, it's, <laughs> That's it's good. Really, really, really a, a great point to make. And, um, and I did it. I applied to UCLA. I didn't listen mm, to her and I, I got rejected. Okay. Right. And then what'd
0: you do after that? Because I
1: know the so, story doesn't end there. <laughs> yeah. so, so, so I went to community college for two years, which was the best thing that could have happened mm. to me. And I applied to UCLA and I did get in. Um, and so that was a great thing. And I went on to study anthropology there and did grad school in anthropology as well. But part of um, being rejected from UCLA, when I re- applied the second time, I realized even with good grades now, I wouldn't get in. Mm. So I thought to myself, what could I do? to totally set myself apart from other students applying and so i said to myself i'm gonna go to africa so i asked my parents um hey could i go to africa and they said no (laughs) i I spent eight months mowing lawns and to make money because nobody's gonna Mm. help me and convincing them why i should go to africa and so i ended up i ended up making it to africa I, i bought a ticket to london and i hitchhiked all the way down to what's now the congo to zaire And, and during that, I had all these different experiences, meeting wonderful people, meeting bad people, Mm -hmm. knives pulled on me. I had a machine gun stuck in my mouth for a a while, which is a, it was, is kind of like one of my life changing stories that I use in my coaching. Um, And so good and bad happened. And I had to overcome fear over and over and over again. And it really helped me. Uh, that was a long way of saying i had all these adventures that i put into this book mm-hmm. and uh, ordinary to extraordinary like i said i grew up in average middle class family in tacoma washington um suburb of tacoma actually and i ended up choosing to do things that i think are extraordinary there's mm-hmm. nothing extraordinary about me innately there's nothing entitled about what people gave me or but I just chose to, to to do things. So I put these stories of the machine gun in Africa, of um, living with Indians in South America. I lived with the Wayana Indians in the Amazon for six months, and so I put these into these into narratives. And I first I sent it to a book agent, and he said, "Eric, you and all your friends are going to love this." Oh and God. I said,
0: that's, You're that's like, thanks a lot. A yeah, come. no. <laughs>
1: And in the end, I spent another year reworking it to make it reader-focused mm. instead of me-focused about how can a reader see these experiences and then ask themselves questions about what's meaningful in their lives mm. to, to find in belonging, purpose, storytelling, and transcendence are kind of what I wrapped around what meaning is based on Emily S. Bahani Smith's book called mm. The Power of Meaning. Mm. And so reworking it to make it reader-focused, it's, it was a good book for me and my friends. However, other people ended up liking it a lot, too
0: that's very cool I love it and we're going to give the listeners links to all of these books um, they can find those on our Facebook page facebook.com slash tune in mindful radio and um, you can also listen to the podcast at any point in time at anchor slash tune in mindful radio while I'm just identifying places you can hear us you can also hear us at 103.1 FM And uh, that's in streaming live and that is in Valparaiso, Indiana, streaming live around the world at WVLP.org every Thursday at 10 a.m. Central. And um, and we are so excited to talk to you about that. Today's show, Tune In, is underwritten in part by Kiki Productions, Inc. Communications Coaching. Teaching exercises to help you cycle out of fight or flight in the moment. With a mission to create individual harmony to add peace to the world, Kiki Productions Inc.'s philosophy is, when you are confident, focused, and authentic with your message, you are a magnet to those you wish to attract. Share the love at CoachKiki.com. We are talking today on TuneIn with Eric Severson, who is located in LA and travels Everywhere, everywhere but Antarctica, which is on the bucket list and coming up soon, I'm sure. And um, so you're telling us these uh, amazing stories, these wonderful adventures. They're very fun to read. Our show likes to always feature a book, and so we're fe- featuring several books. In addition to Eric's books, we will also feature the book you have mentioned by Emily, how, how do you say her last name? Sorry. Emily
1: Espahani Smith.
0: Espahani Smith, okay. And that book again is called?
1: The Power of Meaning.
0: And so tell us just a little bit about the premise of that book
1: okay so yeah so the the same guy who recommended that I rework my book um rec- rec- rework my book recommended this book to me and what she says Emily sfahanney Smith says in this beautiful book is there are four pillars of meaning all around us all of the time mm. and many people don't see them and the pillars are again belonging storytelling transcendence and purpose and what belonging means to her and it can be it could be just That sense of belonging with somebody, Um, joining a book club could be a sense of belonging. Um, Purpose is something bigger than ourselves. So if I want to walk across the country because I think it's a great idea, Mm. that's not going to mean very much in the big picture. But if I walk across the country to support uh, maybe slavery in modern times, slavery, um, sex trafficking, for example, Mm. whatever the the cause may be, it's now suddenly bigger than myself. And a transcendental moment for her is something that we experience that changes our perspective forever. And it can be taking acid at a grateful dead show, which (laughs) doesn't happen very often (laughs) uh, or seeing for me, it was seeing the Aurora Borealis. That Mm. was one of mine Um, for John Muir. It was seeing a great redwood tree. And so it's a moment that takes us out of ourselves a little bit that makes a lasting change just, and it's usually something that humbles us a little bit because in perspective and then the last one um storytelling getting our story out and that's why programs like yours right now are so good because people me right now we get to get our stories out but hopefully inspires other people to think about their own stories what story do they have because every single person listening right now has a story that is 100% unique and absolutely beautiful whether they think it is or not and so it's great to be able to share that through writing, which I've done in my books or through talking with other people from family members to acquaintances.
0: That's so wonderful. Okay. So you've mentioned this Aurora Borealis story and I know it's really pivotal for you. And, um, I would love if you would share with us, just give us this anecdote, Tell, take us on the journey with you.
1: Okay. This is actually <laughs> one of the stories in my first book, ordinary to extraordinary. And, uh, uh, it started with me getting a job in Alaska, um, in Anchorage. And so, just like I always do, I didn't want to go the normal route and buy a ticket from Seattle to Alaska. So, I called a friend in LA who's pretty adventurous and I said, Hey, Greg, I need a ride. And he says, To where? I said, Alaska. <laughs> uh, so, Greg <laughs> drives up from LA, picks me up in his little mini Jeep. It was a, like Isuzu, Suzuki. Oh, wow, you're kidding <laughs> Suzuki mini Jeep. <laughs> And we're driving now, but we didn't want to just drive straight to Anchorage. Once we get to Alaska, we drove all the way up to Prudhoe Bay, which is the furthest. Uh, uh, we oh, could that's use to my go. husband's
0: fantasy, by the way. That's his main bucket list. He wants to go there. Yeah.
1: Well, I'll tell him <laughs> he should do it for okay. sure. It's a great <laughs> idea. And what, what we would do sometimes is we, we'd park the jeep and we'd go on one or two day um, hikes through the woods and just into nature, and then come back to the jeep and continue our trip. Mm. On one of these, we, it was this nice clearing and. Greg was sitting towards me, um, across the fire and I was looking up and all of a sudden I saw this band across the sky and it was just kind of like bluish band and I couldn't figure out what it was. And it was like somebody grabbed that band and just shook it and waved it like a sheet Mm. with turquoise and every shade of blue dancing up and down and red and every shade of red dancing up and down and yellows. And, and it just, it, I it stunned me, and I, I just kind of stupidly asked Greg. I said, "Is that the Northern Lights?" Yeah. And, and he he <laughs> and Greg always talks really loud, oh. but this is the first time he almost whispered wow. the Aurora Borealis wow. back to me. That's cool. And and we just were staring at it, and it was awe inspiring. But here's the weird thing, Kiki. I saw a mouse run across our campsite, and my first thought was that. I'm no bigger than the mouse. Yeah, right. And, and, and my second thought was, I wonder what the mouse thinks of that. Yeah, he right. In, he was thinking all the new smells around his yeah. home, which is our campsite <laughs> that we just, you know, walked in and set up our tent in the middle of nowhere. Um, but so I didn't feel any bigger or smaller than that mouse yeah. at that moment.
0: Yeah. It's, we were a, equals that, in yeah. that experience. <clears throat> that feeling of connection is so amazing. I, you know, I watched a documentary and I can't remember what it was called, but it was about uh, the eclipse and how people really get struck by the eclipse and they will follow it around, right? And they kind of become eclipse junkies and this is their thing. And they're, they're so hooked on that feeling that they get, right? Of just being part of something amazing. And, and I remember watching it and being like, what a bunch of weirdos, you know? <laughs> that was kind of my assessment of it. Until, you know, recently the eclipse was near us and it wasn't even a full eclipse, but I was with my two kids who were five and three at the time and my husband, he was traveling out of town, but he had set up the telescope for us in this way so that we could look at it, you know, and, and see it kind of, um, and not directly. And, uh, and so we were, we were there, we were counting down the moment and our uh, mail carrier happened to come up our driveway at that time. <clears throat> and she said, are you guys getting ready to watch it? And I said, yes. And she came out, she got out of her car. We were all watching it together. It was just such great, interesting timing. And, um, and then it wasn't even a full eclipse, but just the idea of the sky darkening during the day and how powerless we are and yet connected. And we were having this really interesting moment. And I was like, I mean, goosebumps. I'm getting goosebumps even thinking about it and talking about it. I can't imagine the aurora borealis, right? And that power and that beauty and the colors and the spectrum being so different from what you're used to seeing, you know? And I was like, we are going to follow the eclipse, (laughs) Yeah. we have plans pretty soon. We're going to
1: do another eclipse viewing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Keila, the, the, that moment of you seeing the eclipse, cause I, mm. I've also seen one in France. Oh wow. Um, and, and it was the same thing where yeah. I felt powerless. There's nothing mm. I could have done to stop it from getting darker. Yeah. And it was an eerie feeling. Yeah. And the, 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 Neither moment—the between the aurora borealis nor the eclipse—was uh, better than the other in yeah. some sense. I was going to ask you that. Both, yeah. It, yeah, it both had the same thing that you experienced: the oddness of having zero control. Yeah. And I like that that you to go back to belonging. You were able to share that with a male. It was so cool. Yeah. You probably wouldn't have had that kind yeah. of interaction with yeah. if it hadn't been that particular moment. Yeah. And, and it creates a relationship.
0: It does. And, you know, what's interesting, too, is so she's been on a mail carrier for a while. You know, we give her, like, the Christmas card, whatever, and she gives us a Christmas card. And, like, I just know her first name. That's it, you know? And, and it's been several years. <clears throat> but we feel really bonded to her, even though, like, just we just see her in passing occasionally, right? But we feel very bonded to her because we happened to be coming home from the hospital with our second born, and she pulled up to get, deliver our mail. And she was like, you had the baby! Because she had seen me pregnant. And she was so excited. And she jumped out then, and she handed us our mail. You know, and it was just this cute little moment. And then she also was with us for the eclipse.
1: <laughs> that's good. That's it's very cool. I, I love yeah, those moments of relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think that I don't know if I'm wrong or not, but it feels like there used to be more yes. of them. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why they're more precious now. And I think that's true. I think we have to work harder yeah. to, to create them. Um, to yeah. create a relationship with a, with somebody who would easily just be an acquaintance and meaningless to our lives to a large degree.
0: It's true, and you know, so we all live in a in a neighborhood. We're not in a subdivision. We are on some acreage, and um, so and we're very far back from the street, and so we're kind of in a little uh, hidey hole. You know, we're <laughs> just a little bit, um, so we don't have like that same sense of community. We have to actually create that community where in different places that we are. <clears throat> and the area that we live in, Northwest Indiana, is very, um, it's several counties, and we all kind of, I guess, we sort of bond in this way we're in our own time zone it's a it's an area that's in a whole different time zone from the rest of the state of indiana and so um so we kind of you know we're sort of the oddballs in our state and we're like part of the suburbs of chicago but we're not even in the state <laughs> of illinois and so we're very much though so, i jokingly say that we are the austin of the midwest and i'm trying to make it a thing <laughs> but because <laughs> we're our own little world in some ways and um But what's interesting, though, too, is that the communities my husband and I have connected together, they're in different towns and different counties and things like that. And so, again, we don't have that locality of the community. And um, I just would love to get your perspective on how you think things are changing. Let's go ahead and talk about pandemic for a second. How are things changing globally? How are they changing in the U.S.? We know a lot of the, the obvious things, but what's your sense of what's to come?
1: Do you have one? you know what one thing that i hope doesn't happen Mm. uh, the funny that's funny you mentioned that keila because just earlier today i was thinking there are so many positive things you know about this i think uh, the the amount of fuel that isn't being spent by people driving to work to do the same thing that they can do from home um that's a that's a great thing um the amount of even uh oh clothing i i wash clothes a Mm. lot less I just I put this shirt True. On over my T-shirt. <laughs> That's right. The interview. You get to keep yeah. your
0: pajama pants pants on, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah
1: <laughs> exactly. And and I'm going to take it off after awesome. the Awesome. I love and it. it up. So, so I washed clothes last. My yeah. hair. My, yeah. 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 My, yeah. First, my 14 year old started <laughs> cutting my hair, and when he was dying with a fit of giggles after yelling "Oops! Oh no!" Um, I, made him, I made him give the clippers to my 15 year old who finished it. Oh my! And is my hair perfect? No. And do I care? No.
0: It looks great, I have to say. From what I can saved, see, it looks and it great. Saved, yeah,
1: <laughs> Yeah, and it, and it saved the 28 I normally yeah. would spend for a haircut yeah. four times a year. Luckily, I don't get it cut very often, yeah. anyway. But <laughs> okay, all these great things that we're saving. Um, but one thing I'm going to miss is I hope this isn't an excuse for people to not give hugs anymore. Yeah. Um, I hope it's not an excuse for people to um, to stay, stay away. Because a lot of people, I think, are, cause I'm a secret introvert. introvert. Okay. Um, I, we I share think, that. I, I, I
0: was very shy when I was younger too. I didn't know we had this in common as well. Yeah.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so, but at the same time, I think physical touch and hugging and, you know, it's a great, great thing between humans that I hope it doesn't last yeah. and, and, and go away. I hope the people who were able to kind of just really solo out and enjoying that. I hope they also don't forget that it's important to have relationships, you yes. know, with with a lot of other people. So yeah, that, that's, that's one of my worries. But as far as um, work goes, I think I'm one of the cases where I had to take a 100% 180 shift. Mm-hmm. I, um, and I'm, I'm really kind of happy with it. I left an executive position at Gen- in January to pursue public speaking full-time, and it was going really well. I had things lined up for the year, and I, I thought, okay, I'm- I- I've made it. I- everything's going to be great. And then three weeks after I left my position, every single speaking engagement was canceled. So I'm left with no job and no income.
0: This is the story uh, of your life, I think. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I- and- <laughs> and I, and I had to re refocus on my book. I remember yeah. my book that came out in 2018 and how that really helped me do a few things. So I finished up my second book explore, um, published that about a month ago now. So that, it, yeah. So, uh, and, it, and it's done well. And now I'm working on um, two other book projects. So it's really exciting. One, which I'm really happy you're involved in. Yeah, I know. Thank yeah. you for the invitation. So wonderful. So we want to so. tell
0: people how to find uh, Explore and all the books to come, too, on Amazon, correct?
1: Amazon's the easiest, yep. So, um, my website um, ericseverson.com is a jumping board for most of the things I do. But yeah, the books are on Amazon. They're on Barnes and Noble. They're on Target. If you want to buy it from Target, awesome, good. <laughs> so
0: yeah, <laughs> whatever you support, right? <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly.
0: That's great, listeners. Thank you for listening to Tune In Radio for your mind, body, and soul. Tune In is underwritten in part by Unity of Northwest Indiana, currently developing the premier center for spiritual growth and education in NWI with meditation walks and retreat house events. Learn. More and support the growing movement at unitynwi.org and find out how you can use the upcoming Peace Park. Our show is about mindfulness, and we like to ask the question: what is mindfulness? And we found this really interesting quote by Laura Fortgang, who says, being mindful means being aware of everything and certain of nothing. And one thing we're certain about here is that we are grateful for our community radio station WVLP. It is based in Valparaiso, Indiana, and by community-licensed community radio, we mean that we serve no interests except the people of Valparaiso and surrounding Northwest Indiana, which I've just been telling you all about. It also means that we must rely on our listeners and underwriters to support the station financially to keep the great programs you have come to expect on the air. WVLP is facing a serious cash shortfall with our major fundraising events canceled in 2020. So, if you are a WVLP listener, now is the time to take the next step and become a today by donating online in whatever amount you're able. Don't give till it hurts, just give till it feels good at wvlp.org support. We thank you for your support. And today on TuneIn in I am your host again, Kela Parkinson, and we are speaking with motivational speaker and coach and writer, Eric Severson. And if you want to check him out at his website, I'm just going to give you the spelling of his name. It's Eric with a K, and Severson is S as in Sam, E, V as in Victor, E, R, S, E, N. So ericseverson.com. You can find Explore, and you can find his, his latest book and his other book as well, um, which tells about this... Origin story he has, um, and how he is using this to overcome all kinds of adversity in his life, and um, all of his really cool adventures, including I think a little bit about the acid trip. You're mentioning. is that true? Yes, it
1: is actually.
0: <laughs> so we've got. Now I'm going to ask you a question. I think that a lot of people already know for themselves, but we're gonna we're gonna put this out there too. And that is, what is the more, uh, what is the more in depth and uh, more life changing experience you have had? Would it be a like hallucinogenic experience, uh, such as you mentioned in your book, or would it be something you know um, non-hallucinogenic, like experiencing the aurora borealis or something with meditation or something? Which of those has been more impactful and deeper for you, and for what reason?
1: Yeah, so for the uh, kind of the transcendental moment, um, they 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 were both equally effective in making me create a change that I continued. Um, but as far as like the one experience that kind of made a massive shift um, in my perspective, you mentioned fight or flight earlier. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, it's, it's, it's about fear, actually. So when I was traveling through Africa, uh, I hitchhiked and I walked massive stretches through Africa. I was, there, was, I was going through the, uh, the border from Benning into Nigeria I get into Nigeria and there's a, and I had, I couldn't walk across the border. I had to go with a shared taxi to get into Lagos. And so it's me and five Africans in this little car. And as soon as we got through past the border, which I thought was the nightmare by itself, uh, then there's a checkpoint. Mm. They want to search all my stuff. Mm. Some of the time they want a little bribe. Mm-hmm. Then another checkpoint. And then another checkpoint. Mm. About the fourth or fifth checkpoint, is when the cab driver decides this is getting old and he's not stopping. Oh, and that no. proved to be a really bad idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so instead of slowing down at the checkpoint, he sped up the car and one guy ran out in front of us and threw it was like a dirt road, okay. threw a spiked two by four in front of oh, us, man. and another guy behind us is shooting his gun in oh, the air. Oh my gosh. And he came up, and so now it's no longer politely, no. hey, let's get out and search your stuff. They put the gun to my head, dragged me out of the car, Ooh. and stick me in the little hut. And oh, then he yelled at me, What are you doing here? And I'd been speaking French in North and West Africa for months. And so I said, Just we and tourists did bad French. Yeah. And 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 he, he the common language in Nigeria is English. Okay. And so he asked me that in English. And so he's like, Why are you speaking French to me? Obviously it wasn't French. Yeah. You're a spy. And oh. he stuck the end of the gun wow, in my mouth. God. And I could taste the gunpowder of the gun he had just fired, <sighs> a machine gun. Yeah. And and I was started looking around to see if I could see blood on the bottom. Like, does this happen all the time? Or is this just, just a one-off instance? And in the end for about an hour, he held a gun trained in my face. Oh my God. They took my pack and searched it and everything like that. And in the end I I, I got out of that situation and it ended up to be, I got to Lagos and everything worked out okay after a a really bad day. Um, But I was so paralyzed with fear in that instance. And then six weeks later, I'm at Green River Community College. I'm a student there. And a friend ran up with a flyer for a job in Japan. And now I'd been to Europe. I'd been to Africa. And I was just, I got the travel bug big time. And I just wanted to see the whole world. Mm. And here is an opportunity to work in Japan as a 20-year-old student. And so I studied, I, I applied to the job, and I got an interview. I, I learned some Japanese for this interview. I wanted the job so much I couldn't think of anything else wore a suit for the first time in my life um, to prepare during the, for the interview. And then the day of the interview, I started driving towards the interview, um, and I started feeling a little odd. And then when I was locking my car, arriving at this campus, I could barely lo- lock the car because my hands were shaking so bad. Mm. And then I started sweating. Mm-hmm. And then I remember I couldn't, I was trying to re- remember the Japanese words I rehearsed. Now I'm 20 feet from the door walking into this um, room for an interview and i couldn't remember anything not Mm -hmm. the japanese i couldn't Mm -hmm. remember anything Mm -hmm. and i just had this massive frozen talk about fight or flight i was totally frozen and thank god a voice said a voice rang in my head it was my own voice that said you know what eric six weeks ago you had a gun in your head yeah you know in the big picture this isn't that big of a deal you want this job but in the big picture it's not that big of a deal Mm. and i was able to take a deep breath wiped off my hands and went and got the interview had the interview and got the job and so keila that was the defining moment when i realized that fear Mm. shouldn't make us paralyzed it's meant to make us stronger, yes. sharper, faster. That's right. We about fight or flight. Yeah, it's true. <clears throat> like
0: yeah, because you were in that fight or flight in that moment, and your your brain went right to like look at the ground. Is there blood on the ground? Right, and assess the situation. Right, and I'm sure your recall of that that moment is a lot of slow motion. Right, a lot of right, like everything sort yes. kind of freezes and slows down. We're really, really processing and memorizing every detail. Now, I have to ask you. So, um, first of all, I want to also say that. Oh, my goodness. One hour with that. That's a long time to be at high, intense fight or flight. I can imagine you had like those fear sweats, right? That awful, awful smelling sweat <laughs> that comes out that animals get. Yes. <laughs> right. Yep. Oh, man. OK, so um, then also I want to ask you that anxiety that you felt before that job interview. Was that common for you prior to that experience or do you think it was exacerbated by maybe some
1: PTSD? No, I don't think so. I okay. think it was it was it wasn't common to me to get that okay. nervous before it. But at the same time, it's it's just I wanted it so much mm. more than um, any other job I, I'd wanted. So I think it was just a cause of that. But it did, luckily, send me back to that moment of it's been a lot worse.
0: Yes, and that's amazing. Mm. You were able to do that in just
1: six weeks. I mean,
0: it's just amazing yeah, yeah. to me. <laughs>
1: you know, and it was actually much. Quicker than that. So, Keila, I'll finish the story a little bit. Um, so finally, after an hour, the gun in my face that we had the one guy with the gun in my face and another guy was un- emptying my pack around the hut in front of us. So now all of my stuff, all of my belongings are laid out, almost organized ar- um, yeah. around. And then the guy with the gun, finally, after an hour, he says, you know what? I don't. Uh, he goes. I don't think you're a spy. I like Americans. And he picked up my tent and my hunting knife and put them in front of me. And he goes because they like to give me gifts. Okay. And it was obvious. Oh no! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was obvious that I was. Gonna, he was going to take either my knife or my tent, and okay. I can choose which one I take. I okay. So I kept my knife. Okay. And then I packed up my stuff, and we end up getting to Lagos. So then when we get into Lagos, we getting into the city scared me really bad. It was kind of Kila, the scariest place I'd ever been at that point in my life. And just real, a lot of poverty, open sewers. And we ended up in this big dirt area with a few minivans, a few kind of like broken down bus type things the taxis. And, and it was basically a normal city, third, third world country city car park, but, um, but a little more intense than, than most. And there was a crowd of people around because of me. Cause I was the only non-African around. This is 1989 okay. by the way. So it was oh, a wow. while ago. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then the cab driver, my packs in the trunk walks around and he said, give me 30,000 CFA, which is about 15 bucks. Okay. And, and I just was so beat down from the whole day. You talked about that sweats I had. Mm -hmm. So I was, my energy was less than zero and I just put my hand in my pocket and I had 7,000 or something like that. And it gave him everything I had because he wanted a bribe to open the trunk to give me my pack back. Yeah. So then a guy who was in the taxi Um, with us. He was walking away. He was probably 50 feet away. And he looked back and he walked back towards me. I can see him clearly. He's in a wrinkled silver suit, dirty shoes. And he says to me, what are you going to do now? And I said, I'm going to go to the bank, exchange some money because I had zero left now. Zero. Um, And get out of Lagos as quickly as possible. And he shook his head and he said, today's Sunday, the banks are closed. I haven't seen my family in five years, but if I don't take you home with me, you'll be dead before morning. Yeah. Yeah. I was so, so,
0: it's so interesting that you're saying this because the next question I was going to ask you is how do you connect with people? Tell us about that. So thank you. Go ahead. Finish the story. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And and so then he, on the way home, he decided he had another idea. Um, he didn't want to wreck his reunion with his family after five years. Yeah. But he knocked on the friend's house that he hadn't seen also in five years. Wow. And he just told the friend the story. Oh, my gosh. And the friend yeah. welcomed me in. And this is like a really sh- shady area okay. of, of Lagos. And, but this guy welcomed me into his home. Gate, you know, all the houses had kind of gates around okay. them, and and I stayed with him for three days. Him and his beautiful family. It was him, his wife, and three little kids. Aww. It was a time of eating and storytelling, wow. and he took me out and showed me little bits of Lagos a little bit. And I had this wonderful experience for three full days that would have never happened if I didn't have that tragedy. So yeah, that's when I came wow. up with the motto: "Things work out." And wow. so even that same day, I was aware that things work out.
0: Yeah that's amazing. That's so amazing. So, um, okay. So how boring is it to be (laughs) a suit in LA with a family now when you are somebody who's had these adventures? Is it boring?
1: Not at all. Good. So I, I don't. I don't let the adventure stop. Yeah. we talked a little bit before we started interviewing that you went camping with yeah. your family this weekend. Um, I took mine to, to camp go camping as well. Um, we're, I'm always doing something that I uh, I, I try and climb up some at a big mountain uh, every year. So that's one thing. I like, uh, I, like, I like to go surfing, but you know what? I don't think of it as work and play. For me, it's not a it's not a teeter totter. I think. Spending time with my family, spending time with God, spending time at work—they're all life. Yeah, and so it's all adventure, I'm, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm smiling now talking to you and enjoying it. Good. Uh, just like I'd be enjoying if I was surfing out down at the beach. I, I try and keep it as interesting as possible. So, so there's there's not. Uh, I do mundane things for sure, yeah. But uh, but I I don't focus on the boring part.
0: Okay, I like it. You know, and I'm trying to get to that place where even like washing the dishes can be an adventure, where I find like the gift and the zen or whatever. Right, like that's a challenge. But yeah, <laughs> the mundane yeah. can also be an adventure.
1: They okay, no, absolutely,
0: yeah. <laughs> this is so great. I really love this. We have um, about 15 minutes left. I'm going to take another station break, and then I would love for you to tell our listeners about your upcoming books. So, okay. uh, listeners, thank you for listening to Tune In Radio for Your Mind, Body, and Soul. I am your host, Keela Parkinson, and our show broadcasts at 103.1 FM WVLP in Valparaiso every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Central and every Sunday afternoon at 4 p.m. Central. We are uh, also our station phone number if you would like to support 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 or ask questions is 219-476-9000. That's in the US. And uh, we are also available anytime for your listening convenience at anchor.fm slash tune in mindful radio. Our show is underwritten in part by Kiki Productions, Inc., communications coaching, teaching exercises to help you cycle out of fight or flight in the moment. With a mission to create individual harmony to add peace to the world, Kiki Productions, Inc.'s philosophy is when you are confident, focused, and authentic with your message, you are a magnet to those you wish to attract. Share the love at CoachKiki.com. And speaking of magnets, we are speaking with Eric Severson, who is telling us all these amazing adventures he has had and continues to have, and he is a motivational speaker, and you can tell he's giving us all kinds of great, not only are they fun stories to listen to, but they each have this beautiful lesson of overcoming, of finding the gifts. And so this is Adventures in Mindfulness today, people. Eric, thank you so much for being part of the show and sharing your life story and these amazing stories with us. And tell us a little bit about some upcoming books that you're working on now and um and how you're going to help people even more
1: okay keila so yeah and i just like uh, love the whole vibe of your show i love the message of your show because it is so easy to get caught up into um doing things that we forget to to pause and reflect on like you mentioned kind of joking the washing the dishes can be yeah (laughs) (laughs) and just how this this life flows in such a a beautiful pattern and one of the things I think that a lot of people don't focus on that I think is maybe the number one ingredient to just having a smile on your face is gratitude um for everything I try I've gotten a lot better it was about three years ago maybe four, four years ago now that it was through one of Tim Ferriss' books that I started researching the habits of billionaires, thought leaders, professional mm-hmm. athletes, like high-end professional athletes. And I, I saw that all of them do some sort of meditation. All of them do some sort of visualization or prayer and, take, and, and focusing on gratitude, mm-hmm. um, which, which has really transformed my life into something positive. So about my upcoming books... What happened a few months ago, well, I'm talking February now, um, when the whole kind of pandemic started, I had to refocus on my writing because my public speaking dis- disappeared. And so I was 80% done with a book called Explore. And that one is also Adventures from My Life, but it's, it's, it's reader focused. And it talks about how love and growth are keys, mm. whereas the first one was about what is meaning? What is the, what is the power of meaning? These are what does what growth and um, love do for us? The last chapter was called Happiness and Success. And as I was writing that chapter, and it's kind of a mindful chapter of the idea is this, success is a a road of bricks that we can either choose to walk on or not. Mm. We don't have to finish something before we're successful. Um, We can be on the road to success, which is successful. Um, And happiness is a backpack. We either walk out without that backpack on or we put it on, it's a choice. um, Mm -hmm. Any time, no matter how good or bad things are. And as I was finishing those last words to that chapter about happiness and success, I thought, I have so much more about the mindset of success to to write about. And I figured it would take me two years to write the book. Mm. And I saw it all in my mind. And then I thought, you know what? I have friends who were experts in this field who could probably help me a lot. And in the end, I started, I reached out to 33 authors. And they each wrote a chapter for this book called, the, the whole title for the book is The Successful Mind, Tools to Living a Purposeful, Productive, and Happy Life. And we had everybody from a pastoral counselor mm-hmm. to a um, psilocybin journey coach who guides people on psychedelic <laughs> journeys with business coaches <laughs> and yoga instructors and medical doctors and nurses and um, speaking coach. We had all of this array of people who each said something about what does it take to have a successful mind? What is the mindset needed for success? And that book is in the final copy editing stages. It should be published in August. And then I started working immediately on the next book, The Successful Body. So the full title for this book is The Successful Body Using Fitness, Nutrition, and Mindset to Live Better. Mm. And that's of course a book you're gonna be part of, which I'm really excited about. And this is, again, I'm taking experts who know something about between fitness, nutrition, and mindset that makes the body healthy, strong, um, and, and effective basically. And it's been really wonderful Kela, to get to know the different authors that I'm working with with these books. And the fact is I could spend two years writing the book that I had in my mind and it wouldn't be nearly as good as this book that has hmm. been generated through the different minds with all of the different perspectives from people from South Africa to Kenya, to Syria, to, uh, Switzerland, to Australia. So, America, lots from America as well, and the UK. So we have all these authors from around the world who have a perspective that's um, different from mine and yeah. better or worse, no. Equal, maybe different. It's great to have all these perspectives about, about mindset.
0: And how fun, too, to be able to collaborate in this way and have, um, I like, when I asked you, like, are you are you kind of like, you did ask us each to like, say, what would your, you know, kind of theme be and all of that, but you're really not saying like, it has to say this, this has to be your reason, right? This has to be your outcome. You're just sort of letting it be what it is and just sewing it together. And I just, I really admire that it's brave. It's awesome. And I think it makes it so much more impactful and authentic.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I can't wait to see the finished product. So probably (laughs) November is going to be for the successful body. Um, and, and it's, fun to be able to see gaps of the puzzle and say, okay, I need to look for a nutritionist now because I've got the personal trainers. I've got the mindset person here. And so trying to fill the gaps, it's been really, really fun to get as much of a 360 view as I can about what creates a successful body. And when I say body, we know how strong the body mind connection is. So there's a Mm -hmm. big pull between the two.
0: It's a big one. It's so interesting. Um, Okay. So we've got about 10 minutes left what is something that you would like to really leave listeners with?
1: One is so many people have ideas and um, not as many people actually follow through with them. So something I've been thinking about a lot lately is doing is so much more important than knowing. And that's kind of an ad lib of a Bruce Lee quote. Um, and knowing is not enough, we must apply. And willing is not enough, we must do. Mm. And so I think in circles that... I run with and I, I think you're probably in the same way. We find people who get really excited. Maybe maybe they went to a Tony Robbins Unleash the Power Within and they're just on fire and they start reading all of these books about self-development, self-help, about business, you know, the from the classics of Napoleon Hill to, you know, modern stuff, mm-hmm. even Tim Ferriss I mentioned earlier. And so we love the learning process because we think we're being effective And I think that that is really important but we need to take it to the next level as well and do something Mm -hmm. with the knowledge that then the mindset is important. And then applying it is the hard part that a lot of people get stuck on.
0: Yeah. It's interesting too. And I, I like how you also marry, you know, the spiritual, the spiritual component, right? Because um, sometimes I have known people and I've been guilty of it myself getting so caught up in mindset that I kind of in in my own way, you know, that I, I, I'm so intellectualizing it that I can't even apply it.
1: Right. Because
0: it's just all theory. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. And that, and that's when, again, having the different perspectives and being able to talk about it um, with, with other people is also a a great thing. Mm -hmm. And then the, the next for myself personally um, I get so excited about so many different things that sometimes I have to remind myself to focus and really, what do I decide I'm going to finish um, rather than being almost done with 10 things and being done with one? <laughs>
0: yes, right. And how good that feels to, to complete, right? Just like, you know, your wonderful story about um, scaling the Russian mountain and just, you know, having to become at peace with defeat and then saying, but I may even if I'm OK with, you know, being defeated, quote unquote, I may still just keep pursuing, right? And and, yeah. and I'll do it from a place of peace and contentment and acceptance, right? Surrender. Kila,
1: Kila absolutely. So we started with mountain climbing. Let's go back to it. Yeah, that. good. So, so recently, <laughs> so Fred Kellogg, um, was he's one of my main climbing partners. We've summited multiple mountains together, spent lots of times cold and hungry and miserable. and and But it's always been great. And so um, he was in a motorcycle accident last year, really laid up in the hospital for mm-hmm. weeks. And so he's doing better, which is great. And so I called him a few weeks ago and I said, hey, Carl, we need to climb another mountain. Um, let's go to Colorado. We've done the highest peak in the states, um, lower 48, which is Whitney, and the second, which is Rainier up in Washington State. But we haven't done the, or the third. The second is in, in Colorado. Okay. So I said, let's fly to Colorado and climb this mountain. And so we started talking about it, uh, about doing it, and whether he was in good enough shape yet, because he's still injured from the motorcycle accident. And it's a doable mountain. And so then the next day, we we, put it, we decided to think about it. And the next day, I called him, and I said, how are you feeling? He goes, I'm feeling like I wonder if I can make it up a mountain. Mm. And I said, I, I know you can. He goes, Do you know what? I felt more excited waking up today than I have for six months. Mm, that's telling. And it's just because of the goal again. Yeah. He's got the hope of getting to a mountain again, which he hadn't thought about for six, eight months. Hmm. But just the idea that he might be on a mountain again, made him so excited to get up and research the mountain and figure out what we're going to do or not going to do. And, and so we've got a plan. We're going to climb it together uh, nice. at some point soon. And so Keela, again, just the, the, the goal to have the start of the goal in mind makes everything really exciting. Mm-hmm. That's right. So everybody needs to have these goals, short term, long term.
0: Oh, right. And, and so I think you know, bridging the goal with the acceptance, right? Like so, the goal isn't just you know I'm going to control it; it's going to happen no matter what. The goal is I'm going to do this, and I'm going to be accepting of the process of getting there, right? And it doesn't mean I have to quit if it doesn't happen smoothly. But it also doesn't mean that I have to quote power through and and hammer my you know desire into everybody. I, there's a there's like a there's a symbiosis to the two, right? All of
1: life. Perfect. Absolutely. <laughs> you, the, I love how you actually articulate my thoughts better than I do. You, you finished no. what I, I needed to say. So with with Carl, we um, we were going to climb last week, actually. This last Monday is when we, our time to climb the mountain was. And in the end, um, because of some travel restrictions, up, he's from Washington State. Okay. Some travel restrictions up in Washington State with the airplane tickets from Washington State to Colorado. Were hot. We, we made a decision, okay, let's not do it then because we were really trying to force it to yeah. happen. We and he, he we decided we're gonna make we're gonna do it, but we're gonna wait till the timing are right. The the stars are aligned. Mm-hmm. So you're right, Keila, yeah. you don't have to necessarily grit and bear and force it to happen <laughs> yeah. because that was when you said it was gonna happen. Flexibility also is there's a lot of common sense
0: it's and right. Yeah, it's beautiful. I love that. That's a good quote, too, by the way. Um, okay, oh, and I want to say to listeners, one quick caveat, uh, just to honor that this is a community radio station, that we are not endorsing drug use, right? We're just talking about all kinds of experiences, so I just want to do that because we're family radio. So, um, Eric Severson, this has been so much fun talking to you. We still have a few minutes left because you and I are fast talkers, so... <laughs> So uh, let's just tell people one more time like how they can find you, how they can find books, and um, just give us your titles one last time.
1: Okay, yeah. So the first book I did was Ordinary to Extraordinary, and that's available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble and etc. cetera. And the second one is called Explore. And that's also available everywhere. My, my website, ericseverson.com, is a jumping board for a lot of things. There are a, f- a few pictures of different things that I've done. And it's just been really a fun thing, I think, in, in life, just deciding to open doors that are available to everybody. Mm. A lot of people think that I've done some things that they say, I could never have done that. And I disagree 100%. Um, it's just a matter of seeing the doors and and open them. And I talk a lot about fear mm. and people say, well, how can I, I'm not going to go to Africa and, you know, have this fear moment yeah. to change my life. What can I do? And it doesn't have to be Africa. It could be simply at Starbucks, for example, asking for a 10% off your $2.25
0: double express <laughs> for no reason for no reason yeah right scare yourself get, easy an easy ways. To, to the fear
1: of asking <clears throat> yeah. for something
0: oh go horseback riding if to you've to been strangers. afraid of yeah. horses yeah all right. talking to strangers that's a good one okay yeah. so I'm gonna say really quickly since we still have a couple of minutes um one of my first hurdles to overcome was looking someone in the eye and saying hi acknowledging them first I was about 12 years old and I was my first communications coaching client because I gave myself in my journal a, a homework assignment that I had to do that two times throughout the next week and I didn't do it and I was too chicken and I wrote in my journal you have to try again next week and I tried again the next week and I did it the first time and I hated it and then I followed through the the second time and then I got better and better at it and now I can speak in front of audiences
1: (laughs) that's amazing you you
0: started
1: early at 12 years old yeah
0: Yeah, give myself um, homework that is
1: really exciting really word nerd yeah Yeah. And, and it's important I think to to do things like that, like what you did, not even as a 12 year old, as, you know, (laughs) however old we are. Yeah.
0: Always keep doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm
1: a massive list taker.
0: Good. Good for you. This has been so much fun. Eric Severson. Thank you so much. Today has been such a pleasure, such a blast. And we want to thank you again for being on the show and sharing all your stories and invite you to come back anytime. Thank you, (laughs) Keela. Thank you. We'll see you later, meditators.